episode 85. Hey guys, Dr. Foster here, the success coach with MaximumChange.com. Many of you don't know this, but I actually am a student of leadership. And I have actually had a, uh, a follower of mine on Facebook ask me to do some discussions on leadership. And I... You know, most of the stuff I do is focused on building businesses uh, from the Master Academy level because a lot of people that come to me and listen to my material are entrepreneurs or they they want to start a business. I call them wantpreneurs because they want to start a business. And they are seeking nuggets and tidbits and tips to think through how they're going to start their own business. And so... What I want to do is I just want to spend a little bit of time, you know, discussing um, this idea of leadership. But what most people don't know is that not only am I a student of leadership because I read and study leaders, but I'm a student of leadership because I actually have a master's in organizational leadership with an emphasis in coaching and mentoring. So my master's is in coaching and mentoring, but a lot of my my theory and understanding is rooted in, uh, of course, you know, leadership. But the other thing that most people don't know is that I have a doctorate in strategic leadership. So I have organizational leadership and strategic leadership. Now let me just distill this down to what that really means. It means that I could talk for hours, or as some of my colleagues would say, infinitum, uh, on the idea of leadership from a theoretical and practical hands-on application standpoint. So not only do I understand the theory of leadership, but I also uh, understand uh, the application of leadership. And I've been studying it for years. I've lived it out for years. And so, you know, here we go. So I just want to just explain to you what my idea of leadership is. Now, every time I've done an interview where someone wants to talk to me about leadership, for some reason, they decide they want to start with this. So I'm going to start with it. Because I do think it's good to have a foundation. What is leadership? Leadership, at its very essence, is nothing more than someone creating influence over other people to create action toward a common goal. Simply put, it's someone who can influence others to do something. Okay? So I gave you the really fancy university explanation, and then I gave you the simplified version, right? It is nothing more than someone in authority or perceived authority that influences others to do something. Now, we can look at our own history of interaction with leadership, whether it be with a leader or our own leadership, and we can identify times when people have used this idea of leadership for good and they've abused this idea of leadership. So when when I think about leadership... um, You know, I think about the man or woman who, in essence, is uh, grabbing a hold of the rope with the rest of the team and pulling 
on something to move it to another destination. In other words, it's not someone standing there pointing and saying, this is the way guys go. It's actually someone that is in the game, pressing in, uh, rolling the sleeves up, not just saying what to do, but modeling what to do along the way. In other words, they're in the game, they're in it. Now listen, there is, the truth is that the larger your organization gets, the more difficult it is for a leader to press into every part of the business. And I get that. But that still doesn't mean that you can't be a prominent leader in your organization. And you know, I've told this story before, but I, I love, absolutely love this story because I think it models exactly what I'm talking about. Um, you know, I had the distinct honor to work in an organization in uh, the early 2000s in Nashville, Tennessee. I worked for a PR firm for a, a season of my life. And uh, this was as I was building my, my soap business. It, we had not actually 100% gone in yet. <clears throat> and so uh, we were starting a store and we were doing all these things. But I had the honor of working for a PR firm in Nashville, Tennessee. And this was a very prominent PR firm. Uh, I was running the office. And the owner's husband uh, was a gentleman that w was uh, very distinguished uh, in the community and, quite frankly, in the nation. This man had served as uh, the, the postmaster general for the United States under Ronald Reagan and uh, all the way through, I believe, Clinton. <clears throat> so... He had served as Postmaster General for a while. He was the head of the Tennessee Valley Authority, which is a huge cooperative electric and, and uh, you know, their hydropower and nuclear plants and all sorts of different things that the Tennessee Valley, Valley Authority did for, from the standpoint of electricity generation and, and land ownership and so forth. But what I think he is most notable for in the Nashville area is that he was the very first CEO of Nissan North America. And, and uh, at least as I understand it, he was the first CEO. And he oversaw the leadership of the Nissan manufacturing plant in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Now, Nissan, of course, is a car company. So I guess what I'm saying is this man has clout, right? Now, he's now since passed on, but this man had clout. And I had the distinct honor of knowing him and getting a chance to talk to him about different things. And he was so fascinating. And I think that from this point in my life, looking back, my only regret, if I could have a regret, and I try not to have regrets, but if there were a regret that I had, it was that I did not spend more time with him talking to him about things of leadership. Well, let me tell you this story that was told to me about this guy. And by the name, his by the way, his name was Marvin Runyon. You can look him up on the internet. Uh, Marvin was uh, one of these guys that believed heavily in management by wandering. M. 
BW, Management by Wandering. And so, as I understand it, Marvin believes so much in uh, connecting with the workers. And by the way, Tennessee is one of those states where they work really hard to keep unions out. Now, there's unions there, but it's not a quote-unquote union state. And honestly, I think that's a a good thing for the workers there uh, because the wages have been predominantly pretty high in that area. But uh, Marvin would wander through the production facility of the Nissan North American plant, which is in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. And uh, he would... um, He would wear a jumpsuit. Now, back then, when you worked on the assembly line at Nissan, which is, you know, a, a Japanese uh, company, uh, they they had this thing where you had to wear a jumpsuit. And it had your name on it, and, you know, it's just everybody, it's like your uniform, right? So Marvin had a jumpsuit made for him that had his name on it, and it said Marvin, and a, you know, on a patch. And Marvin would put the uh, jumpsuit on and walk through the factory on a regular basis. I understand it was quite regular, like possibly even weekly. He would get out on the floor and he'd walk through. And I have met person after person after person who knew Marvin personally. And they would, to the single person, they would say that he would stop and greet them and shake their hand, call them by their first name. And Marvin was so focused on being a great leader to these people that he would memorize not only their names, but he would know when their birthday was. He would know when their what their kids' names were, what their spouse's name was. Uh, sometimes he would know their anniversary and, and so many other fascinating things he knew. This, this is incredible because Nissan North America has, you know, a lot of employees, like hundreds and hundreds of them. And there's several shifts. And he would do this. He would walk, you know, the line, as they say. And he knew them. And, you know, what's interesting is this type of leadership, because he made it a point of knowing the workers and not creating this separation where he was up in an ivory tower and they were down, you know, uh, grueling on the on the line, uh, un, unthanked and, uh, you know, in... That that just didn't happen. Now, I can't speak for how it's run today because I personally don't know the CEO of uh, North Nissan North America. And honestly, Nissan North America, their headquarters is no longer, or, or their offices are no longer housed in the factory. They're actually in a different town, which is about a 30-minute drive from the factory. Uh, and I know people that work at the main office, but I don't know the CEO. Here's the point. If you want to be a great leader, you've got to find a way to connect with your team. You've got to find a way to connect with your workers. But don't just connect with them. Find out what they're excited about. Find out what they're doing. Find out who they are. Find out what you know, makes their blood pump and gets them excited and, and find out what they like about their job and find out what, what you could do as a leader to help them do their job better and, and be genuinely interested in these things. Don't just do this as a cursory thing to be seen on the factory floor or in the office cubicle farm. 
Because let me tell you, I know from firsthand experiences, both a follower and a leader, that people pick up on the fact that you're not being genuine. If they know you're not genuine, guess what? They don't care because you don't care, right? So here's something else that's interesting about Marvin. Um, <laughs> and this is the other part that I love about the story. Um, Nissan, of course, had the 280ZX. Now, as a young man, I used to think that the 280ZX was pretty incredible. In fact, I think it was like Nissan's answer to the uh, Porsche Carrera, the Porsche 911, right? Although it wasn't on the same level as Porsche, but you get the idea. It was a it was a fancy, uh, you know, sports car. Well, because uh, part of the perk of being an executive for a car company is you have to drive one of the cars. He got to pick out which car he got to drive. And the interesting thing is, because you're the face of the company, they want you to have a new car every year. Now, what's interesting is Marvin didn't want a new car every year. And he would tell them, no, I don't want a new car. I'm happy with this 280ZX I've got. And, you know, leave me alone. <laughs> and, and they were constantly after him, get a new car, get a new car. You know, you're the face of this company. You need to have a new car. You need to have the latest model. You need to be driving the latest model. And, this, you know, this is the headquarters back in Japan telling him this. So Marvin, in his infinite wisdom, said, I don't want a new car, but if it will satisfy you, I'm happy to have my car repainted and refurbished every year. And so the trade-off was, and this is a great leader, negotiate you know, a point that works for everybody, that the, the headquarters was happy with doing that, and he was happy with giving up his car for a couple of weeks uh, you know, to to uh, get his car repainted and refurbished. Leaders, you know, what they want to do is send the right messaging to their people. Marvin knew that the people that worked for him in the assembly area weren't going to get a new car every year. He knew that they couldn't afford a new car every year. Now listen, if you work for a car company, you get all sorts of incredible discounts, employee discounts and so forth, but you still have to buy the car. Marvin didn't have to buy the car, and he knew that. So rather than have this image of this executive in the ivory tower driving a brand new car every year, he wanted to be the leader of the people. I love this about Marvin, and Marvin with all of this clout that he had, and let me tell you, this man was very powerful. If you said you knew Marvin in the Nashville area, people would look at you. How do you know Marvin? I had the distinct honor of going to a Christmas party at his house one year, and this was the A-list party. And let's just say you drive up and there was valet parking and, you know, you <clears throat> you drive up to this mansion and it's something out of Frank Lloyd Wright. It's just had this very angular, uh, sharp, you know, edges, uh, cubist looking mansion. It was incredible in this very posh part of Nashville on the West End. And you drive up. 
<clears throat> and there, you know, there's there's the valet parking, and you go in, and they announce you at the door. And I'm, by the way, I'm an employee, right? And all this is going on, and I'm hobnobbing with the A-list of Nashville, and we're talking, you know, the governor is there, uh, prominent doctors are there, other politicos are there of both parties, by the way. Uh, people that uh, were in high places within different for-profit and not-for-profit organizations. Some of the major corporations in in the in Nashville were represented there, and their spouses. And I was there, right? And and the cool thing is, Marvin, with all of his clout, with all of this power behind his name and the authority that he commanded and all of these A-listers that just wanted to be near him, I, I got to know him. And he treated me like a normal person. And by the way, I was uh, in my early 30s at this point. I was a young man still. And uh, I didn't know what I know today. I mean, I'm 50 right now. You know, it's 20 years ago. I, I didn't know what I, I was a dumb young guy, right? Trying to make it in the world. And Marvin would talk to me like a normal person. So I guess the message I'm trying to give here is that if you want to be a leader of authority, you have to command the respect of your people, not by telling them they will respect you, but by giving them reason to respect you. To this day, even though Marvin has now passed on, I respect him immensely. Now, the caveat to this is, was he perfect? Probably not. Uh, did he have bad days? Sure. Who doesn't? We're human. We have the human condition. But Marvin, like most great leaders, worked every day to be better than the day before and to always recognize the people that did work for him and for the organization and to make them feel like what they were doing was important. Now, it's not to say that um, what they were doing wasn't important, because it, it was. But what he wanted them to know is that he knew that what they were doing was important. So, as you think about your own leadership skills today and into the future, I want you to think about how you treat the people around you. Because... How you treat the people around you, honestly, will translate into how the bottom line of your company looks and how the turnover rate of your company looks and whether or not people are happy to work where you are and whether or not people want to be there and part of what's going on. So think about your people. A good leader is always concerned not first about the bottom line of the company, although that's important to the leader. The leader is worried about the bottom line of how the employees feel about what they're doing and whether or not they're valued. And when, a, when an employee is happy and engaged and excited about what they're doing and loving what they're doing and believing in what they're doing, your company will thrive. I'm Dr. Foster, the success coach with MaximumChange.com, and that's my take on leadership today. Have a good day.